And we're live. Hello, everyone. I would like to welcome you all to episode two of Sports Vision. It is Tuesday, February 11th. And I am here with RJ. Can't say his last name because my my accent just messes me up. But It's Kruger, like (laughs) Freddy, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, good times, good times. Um, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in again. We are on episode two. Super excited about this. Uh, This podcast and this episode is sponsored by no one. So if you'd like to put your business in here or your race team or you, you just want us to say thanks to Jane Doe for sponsoring, give us a holler. Text me, email me, hit me on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. This show has a Facebook page. This episode will be going up on it Tuesday evening. So you guys can tune in. On today's episode, we're going to cover the King of Hammers. This just the T1 race. We're not going to get into the actual King of Hammers Rock Donkeys because I don't have enough knowledge on that. And uh, then we're going to we're going to transition into Snore. We got the Snore 250 coming up this weekend, Valentine's Day weekend. We're going to move into Supercross after that, and then we're going to touch on uh, a little bit of ARCA. The what Haley Deegan raced this weekend in Daytona. So let's just get right into it. Uh, King of Hammers was a really, really good live feed. I thought it was a great online show to watch. Yep. I mean, it was pretty good last year. Uh, nice to see it again this year. Um, I didn't get to watch most of it because I had to work and not be in the office. But yeah, it was nice nice to know that they're representing the sport well with a good live stream. Yeah, it was it was good. Uh, it. I don't want to. I don't want to go after anybody. The announcers weren't the greatest. <clears throat> they they had a lot of good information, but the way that they projected it, I don't think a lot of the people who are as deep into the sport as we are were that interested in hearing them. I I, I muted it after a while. The only one I really care to listen to is Ricky Johnson sometimes because he's been in a truck and he's got obviously more trophy right, truck more knowledge, knowledge than I do, right? Um, so Wait, are we even allowed to call them trophy trucks or do we have to call them T1s? We can call them trophy trucks okay. because we're not a series. So they have to call them T1s because of all the copyrights and trademarks of the name. So basically to give people a little bit of background on that is SCORE has the actual rights to the name trophy truck for a class that they have in – all of score racing. So they have that trophy truck name trademarked. I don't know if Best in the Desert has Trick Truck trademarked. I, I've heard rumors that it is, but that's why Snore has Unlimited Truck. And then that's why um, King of Hammers went with T1 instead of right. Snore having Unlimited Truck and Trick Truck. and tro- it's, it's so confusing. I remember when Snore teamed up with King of Hammers last year, I believe Journey and uh, Miles were doing the announcing the live broadcast forum, and it is so hard to not call them trophy trucks. I don't care who you well, are. You could even hear that in, in this year's live stream at King of the Hammers. He kept tripping over it. I think towards the end he finally finally got it settled at T one. But uh, you know it's hard. They're trophy trucks. That's yeah. what you've been tell, calling them for years. Yeah. That's what they're called in Mexico. So you yeah. Know. I th- I think I want to. Somebody's gonna have. Somebody's gonna call me out on this. But I want to say it was like ninety two or ninety three is when trophy truck was actually born. And I remember that it was Takati Score Series, and on the the top visors of all the trucks, it had to say. Uh, Takati score trophy truck on the visor. So that's that's a cool little thing. Maybe they should go back to something like that. But anyways, talk a little bit about the prologue. And I do have to make this comment. Prologue is stupid. Let's call it qualifying. Let's just be done with it. It's a, It was a 20-mile loop. Uh, it had a lot of different aspects to it that a little bit different than your standard qualifying <laughs> yeah uh, you, you can you, normally it's five what five miles or so yeah usually um, our qualifyings yeah anywhere from three to five sometimes uh i believe one of the best in desert races was like eight or something it was a long right. one one time it was a 20 mile loop which i thought was cool uh the only thing i didn't like is they st- it is how different it was if we're gonna have four-wheel drive and two-wheel drives and we'll touch on that a little bit in, uh coming up soon but I didn't like how you start off in a short course style setup. Right. And then you go through a little bit of desert and then you're in this rocky 
four-wheel drive positive goat trails and shit. And then you go into nasty, gnarly holes that were taking the fronts out of trucks. Like Nick Nelson just bashed the front of his truck through it. And then you go back into some open desert, tightens yep. up to rocks again, and then these lake beds. Now, if we only had two-wheel drives or we only had four-wheel drives, I would be super, super stoked on that setup, on how different the, the terrain was and stuff. But because we, <laughs> because we have people doing two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, I was like, Luke don't have a shot in hell to get this thing. It, it, if those four-wheel drives don't break, he didn't have a chance. But let's run through the qualifying. So Bryce obviously qualified first. He was at a 16-19. Now, real quick, before I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. 20-mile loop. Mm -hmm. He did it in 16 minutes. So you're averaging 65 or something like that, I believe. Yeah, not, but it's uh, similar to what you know the best in the desert qualifying is. The five six mile loop. Most people are doing it to in the four to five minute range for the top guys, and that's you know sixty miles an hour, a, a yep. mile a minute. So, uh, so he he did it in sixty nineteen. Andy was thirty eight seconds behind him in the same truck. So, I think Bri it was just Bryce's day. I think he was just on it from from the time he woke up and ate his Wheaties. I think he was yep. just just full go. You know. Um, I think you were also able to def definitely able to pre-run a lot more for the qualifying race right. um, than you are normally. I think so. they had two whole days to, to hit it hard, or if not more. Yeah, well, I mean, to the point like that BJ Baldwin passed somebody during the, we'll during talk, the prologue. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that. So, <laughs> so Andy was 38 seconds behind Bryce. Luke, in the first two-wheel drive, was 58 seconds behind Andy. And that that kind of set the tone for the rest of the day. I knew right then and there, on a normal day, Luke doesn't get beat by Bryce by a minute and 38 seconds. If, if they're in a desert and it's not so heavy based to, towards the four-wheel drive, mm -hmm. Andy, I, Bryce probably beats him, you know, seven out of ten times, right, straight up driving because Bryce just, you know, goes for it. He's got a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. He's a very good driver. But he doesn't, he doesn't beat Luke by a monumental amount of time. So uh, <laughs> Mr. 69 himself, Dan McMillan, fourth place Dan, qualifies fourth place. Yep. Nine seconds behind Luke in that new four-wheel drive. Well, new to him, four-wheel drive. Uh, and then you have I, – I never got a uh, – I tried to ask a couple people, and I never got a for sure answer on who drove what, but Brett or Christian Serapis qualified – fifth behind Dan, four seconds behind Dan. So that was close. Mm -hmm. And that was a truck with the brand new Mason Matic transmission. So, the, so Neil exactly? Mason and his crew designed their own six speed uh, trans sequential transmission off paddle shifters. It's their okay. own design. Really cool to see them take their, pro their <coughs> program to the next level. They're not just making trucks and making parts and putting them together and, and creating success. They're, they're now they're getting into their own transmissions, which being an engineer myself is awesome to see. I like to see that stuff. Just going to the next level saying, right. you we can also, do it. You can see that with them, um, with their creation of like the portal spindles that they had right. with their new four-wheel drives. Mm -hmm. That was very impressive to me, just that it's all-in-one, all-inclusive, and it's strong enough to hold these 1,000-horsepower engines. Right. Behind them, and now I, I, I quit doing time splits. Uh, I had to get some stuff done at the shop, so I didn't really pay attention. But after that was uh, uh, Bobby Picoy, and then Kevin Thompson, Eric Husted, Raul Gomez in Cameron Steele's old truck. That was the truck that Cameron won the 2018 Baja 1000 in. Then we have Justin Lofton, uh, BJ Baldwin, and then we have some no-shows. So Jack's red line, Cameron Steele had issues in the race. Rob Mack took the line and had a trans go out. Casey Curry couldn't make the start, had to get his, his uh, car ready for the next day to run right. the actual King of Hammers race. And then my boy, Nick Nelson, bad, bad crash at mile 20 or something. I'm not really sure, but they caught it on the live feed from the helicopter and Something went out in the steering on an off-camber right hand before you hit this long straightaway, and this just 
just kept going right, and he tried to steer left and no steering input, and it went over. Luckily, they were okay. They got out, gave the helicopter a thumbs up. So always like to see that when, you know. Always nice to hear. Hand-built, hand-built four-wheel drive. He built that himself. No CAD, nothing. He built his own fixtures and just said, I want this here, I want this here, put it together. It's really cool to see him out there with it. I hope he brings it to more races. So not a, the B.J. Baldwin thing, we saw it on the live stream. He was behind Eric Husted, caught him. Start, remember, they had a, uh, I believe it was a two-minute gap for, okay. for qualifying and the race. Started two minutes behind Husted. I don't know if Husted had problems. Didn't get to pre-run, whatever the case may be. B.J. Baldwin hunted him down, found a great line. Husted stayed tight to the left that goes along the edge of a mountain. And B.J. with Kyle Kraft riding with him. Uh, navigated him on this line that was wide open, flat, fast, got the pass around him. They said on the live feed that there was time corrections, not a, not a penalty, but there was time corrections that put Baldwin way, way in the back. And and B.J. Baldwin, from what I remember, had a good time. I believe he was 18.04, which would have put him right around Serapis and Picoy. So did they say what the time correction was for? Didn't get any information, no. Um I tried to do as much research as I could on this, and it's it was very hard to see anything. I even went through all the race desert posts, which whether that's true information or not, you know, but yeah. um, I tried to go through all the race deserts and uh, couldn't really find anything. Uh, moving forward onto the actual race, uh, Bryce and Andy had a really, really good battle going on for the first two laps. Uh Bryce had a flat, we believe. He had a he had a decent he was sticking with that two minute gap on Andy. Mm -hmm. And then Andy actually caught him on corrected time. Bryce came in for a rear tire change and Andy had a tire delaminating. And we were watching it on the live feed. You could see it discolor. He had a tire delaminating. So when he jumped that that timing loop wherever the timing loop was, when he jumped that and came down, right. his crew got on the radio and said, you have a flat tire, you have a flat tire, you know, stop, stop, stop. Well, he had already blown past his where his pit was supposed to be, mm -hmm. and he wasn't allowed to go backwards and just back up into the pit. So th quick thinking, they <clears throat> dropped the jack. It's got the jacks built into the truck, dropped, dropped the jack. The co-drivers got out, started working on a tire change, and actually they stopped in front of Mark McMillan, which is Andy's uncle, stopped in front of Mark McMillan's pit, who was waiting on Luke and Dan to come in, and Mark said, great sportsmanship by Mark. Mark said, here, like he's family. Go help him. Go help him. So he sent his guys out to help him. That's really cool to see. I like to see these big, big money guys, you know, that's – Oh, we're so we're we're professionals. We're pre everything's quiet, and hush racing, hush, and yeah. blah blah blah. But when you're out there, when you're in it, anybody can help anybody, and it's really awesome to see. So Andy got the tire change, got back out, lost a little bit of time, but still had Bryce on corrected. He was within that minute forty range, so he had twenty seconds on Bryce, and Bryce started slowly, you know, creeping away, creeping away, and then Andy had a pretty. I w I wouldn't say it's a super gnarly wreck, but he had a wreck that took him out of the race. It was a rollover. Yeah, roll so, so I watched it, and I've been reading a lot of stuff. I didn't see Andy's post or anything, if he actually explained about what happened, but um, people saw, were saying that his co-driver had alarms going on for a water temp issue in the truck mm -hmm. and was dealing with that. So Andy was seeing the warning lights telling his co-driver what's going on, figure it out, and there happened to be a, a pretty gnarly G out that should have been like 25 miles an hour at the max. And he, it looked like he came in at about 40. And it just bucked the front of the truck. The, the truck couldn't take it on rebound. And it sent the truck to a roll to the left side. And they ended up sitting like a turtle. And that yeah. essentially your day's done, you know? No. Uh, I actually saw Race Desert had their race breakdown or whatever. Um, and it was something similar. They, the electrical was failing and the GPS was in and out. So okay. they just didn't have a GPS at that point, I'm okay. assuming. Now, he's running lead nav or low rants? Do you know? Okay. Didn't tell you. We'll have to find that out. Um, so, I mean, as soon as Andy rolled it over, you could pretty much say sayonara to Bryce. Bryce had a five to ten minute lead and growing all day stated about what I would guess 95% so he didn't wreck the truck but because he knew he had a big lead 
and Luke just didn't have what it took. He got stuck a couple times, which, you know, that put him down a minute here, a minute there, got a tire change, uh, another minute here and there, mm-hmm. and he just couldn't couldn't reel him in. Had a great run. Yeah. Clean kept day the truck overall. together. Yep. The next guy at third place, BJ Baldwin, what a great comeback for him. He's had a lot of tough luck lately. That, that whole team uh, – something's got a fire lit under his ass again, I think, and it's really cool to see. Yeah, no, it's been a while since he's had a, a, a clean day and a solid result, yeah. unfortunate, unfortunately for him. but uh, Yeah, and, nice and Kyle Kraft is doing a hell of a job navigating that truck. Yep. He, he, he's, he's prompt, he's on time, he does his homework, he does what needs to be done, and, and he's, becoming, he's quickly becoming one of the best right seat guys out there. Uh, fourth place, Dan McMillan. Uh, he just, he was, from what Mark said, he was dealing with some issues all day, just, you know, new truck blues kind of thing, trying to get that thing dialed in. Still did really good for having new truck blues, you know, fourth place is, is pretty good. Fifth place is Kevin Thompson. I don't believe Harley got in the truck at all. I, Harley was on the live feed and said, if Kevin's running good, we're just going to keep him in there. I'm glad to see that he stayed in all day and, and, and took that, that fifth place home. Sixth place was Raul Gomez. Now, <laughs> any, if anybody's seen it, the video of Marcos Gomez on the interview. The, the best interview of King the, of the Hammers. The best interview of potentially all time in desert racing. But Raul Gomez with that uh, old Cameron truck, it's a, it's a dialed truck. I mean, Cameron drove that thing forever. Right. And they got all the issues worked out of it. And now it's in Raul's hands. And Raul's a hell of a driver. He, he did very good all day. Just consistent. Not a whole lot of mistakes. And bro, granted, only six trucks finished this race. But it's not like he was, you know, an hour behind or something. Right. He, 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 was, he was keeping a good pace, yep. you know, for being essentially kind of a rookie, you know. He's fairly new to the desert. Not, sorry. He's not new to the desert. He's new, new to trophy, trophy, trophy trucks. Yeah. He, he's been in Ultra 4 for quite some time now, and he, he's got a lot of success there too. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on all this? I, 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 I don't even want to dive into this two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive today because well, we could go on for hours. I mean, just real quick on that, the, if you want to look at it, Bryce Menzies did have the four-wheel drive and he took the win, um, but the next two people behind him had two-wheel drives, yep. and they were right there. Luke right. was six minutes out of it. Um, I, I'm not sure how close BJ was, but close enough to, to beat Dan in a four wheel drive. So, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't settle it, anything. Yeah. Yet. Still, still open for discussion. Right. And it's going to be for quite some time until these four wheel drives win five, six, seven, eight, nine races in a row, in a row, in the dominate. same, in, in, in an atmosphere that isn't swayed for the four wheel drives. Right. So that was a good race. Uh, I think Dave Cole did a really good job. Mm-hmm. And JT Taylor, his race director and uh, race promote, uh, he helps promote and stuff like that. I worked with JT on Brad Lovell's team back in the day. Great guy, very smart, and he just does it for the racers. He he's not there for a check. He's just super passionate guy about about what he's doing and and helping the racers and being proactive in the sport. So, kudos to those guys. Uh, that's a that's an event I couldn't even imagine trying to put on. That's a week a week of racers being there and a week of cleaning up. Right. Well, it's its own city. It's its own city. Yeah. yeah. So and it's insane. Could you imagine working with the BLM on something like that? That's just insane. The and California Grant, BLM. California BLM is very nice to us. So, um, but it, it, it's, it's cool to see an event like that go on because guys like us who are primarily desert and short course guys, we still tune in. And we see how it's going, and 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 I'll be the first one to say, hell of a job on putting on that event. That's that's something I can't even wrap my brain around on on putting together and and trying to babysit thousands and thousands and thousands of people to make sure you can keep doing it over and over again. Yeah, uh, I saw on Race Desert, Dave Cole posted that a couple. Th- one of the biggest things for next year that he's going to work on is he's getting uh, a tower. He's going to try and get a cell phone tower put in. a temporary tower? A temporary tower close to the Johnson Valley area. So cell service is there. because And and it's not for the media. I know it will help them out tremendously for the media and the marketing-wise. But essentially it's a 
a safety thing. You know, a, a lot of races that, that we are at, whether it's Best in the Desert or Snore, there's a lot of places you don't have cell service, kind of like Mexico. Mm-hmm. There's no cell service. So it's a big safety thing, making sure that you can get a hold of somebody if you have a problem or an accident or whatever the case may be, instead of relying on, you know, desolate desert, somebody coming upon you, you can have cell phone service. So hopefully he can he can get that in, and, and that would be a very, very big thing. That would be really cool to see. Anything else on, on King the King of Hammers T1 race? Uh, I think we covered most of it. Not the T1 race specifically. Uh, just a thought I had. I mean, there was only 16 entrants um, for that race, and it was a $100,000 first place. Yep, 100 to first, and I believe... 15 to second or something like that but yeah and then um you look at the actual hammers or king of the hammers race whatever it may be called uh the grand prize is sixty five thousand dollars, and you've got a, a hundred entrants for that mm-hmm. in itself mm-hmm. so the competition first reward kind of just maybe i'm missing it for 16 trophy trucks versus 100 rock crawlers mm-hmm. there might be more money to be given out to those guys than trophy trucks, but you know, it's just me. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that's a question I've had too, is why isn't there a $100,000 purse for those guys? Because you can take a hundred entries and easily give out a hundred grand and right. make some on the backside oh, where yeah. this, this is a $5,000 entry fee. And if he doesn't get uh, Jesus five times, why is my head not working today? Well, he didn't, he didn't, <laughs> It, he didn't get that. Can't do math today. So, yeah. So, essentially, whatever he didn't get from his entry fees had to come out of his pocket to cover right. that the payback. So, why aren't guys going – like, why didn't he have 70 trucks show up, which is what he wants. He wants mm-hmm. 70 of the best drivers to show up and just brawl for it all. Why didn't they? Is it because, well, we know Bryce and Luke and BJ and these guys are coming and I don't have a million dollars sitting around to go race to, to make sure that I'm the best of the best with the best equipment and the best pits and the, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. logistics and, and getting the best guys and hired crew and stuff like that. So is that part of it? I think it could go more towards the just sheer number of races in, in the amount of time. Right. Um, like, I, like we said, the Snore 250 is coming up this weekend. King of Hammers was this past weekend or, or two weeks ago. Well, we had we had Parker, right? Then King of Hammers, Snore Two Fifty, mm-hmm. the Laughlin, Best in the Desert race, the Mint, then Rage at the or Battle, then Battle at, at Prim, or, yep. and then another a two week gap before San Felipe Two Fifty. Right. So the first quarter of the year has so much racing going on, and that's hurting not only race series themselves. Like we've seen Best in Desert, you know, have to do some things to keep people interested, like the Triple Crown and and the right. big payback, and they're giving away a truck at the next race. Like that's insane to me, but they have to to keep these guys interested because mm-hmm. that King of Hammers looks pretty good. If you're sitting around and you know you've got a fast truck and you know you can put a solid 300 miles together, right? If you think you can contend with Bryce Menzies. And your truck will hold together, then you have all the more reason to just go King of the Hammers. Yeah, you have live live coverage, mm-hmm. so good for your sponsors. A lot of marketing, and if you qualify for the race by entering another trophy truck throughout the rest of the season, you can qualify for next year and get on the Fist Logistics poll. It's uh, it's yeah. very appealing, right? It's like I want to go do that because it's, it's an invitational, right? It's, right? it's got a lot of. Uh, uh, credibility behind it, a lot of prestige. It's growing to get a lot of prestige. So all these other race series have to do a lot more to keep their people involved. And it's it's sad that we can't, all of these race series can't sit down and be like, all right, let's give them, you know, two to three weeks in between races and let's cut like, okay, instead of five races in this series, let's do four so we can fit this in or, you know, and make or a, do joint races or something joint like races that. or like put up a bid. Like I want to bid for the five race series in the States. And then, you know, I'm going to bid this much and bid this much and bid this much. And it's like bidding jobs, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so then, you know, the guy who wins a bid would get five races and the next guy would, would, the second bidder would get the four race series and then this guy would get the invitation, you know, th- some, something like that. It's something Could that be interesting. It, it would be interesting. It, I think it would help. 
obviously there's 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 positives and negatives to anything, but right now I think that's just an idea. Just chew on a little bit. Hopefully uh, we can get a little feedback from our listeners. Uh, all they have to do is just comment on our Facebook post, send us stuff. Like on it, like we're open to it. I'll sit down. I'll read every single thing you guys have to say because I'm interested and I, I want to. We we both want to learn more from you guys. We want to learn people who are at, actually at these races, competing in these races, have something to do with it. Or if you're just a fan and you're just listening and you're like, well, I want you guys' take on this, whether it's controversial or not, like, we'll tackle it. We're not afraid. We'll go after it. So, yeah, just let us know. We want to hear. If you guys have anything to, to say about King of Hammers, uh, whether it's the rock crawling race or anything, let me know. Uh, that race that was on Wednesday before the T1 race, the Every Man Challenge, race? Yeah, my boy. Brad Lovell took the, took home the win. Third time he's won that race. What what is the criteria for the everyman race? Couldn't tell you. I have no I have no idea. Stock I have stock no is stock based vehicle. No, because because I believe that Roger and Brad's vehicle that they raced in it is a forty four hundred car, like the the unlimited ultra four car. Right. So I I don't know. I I'm not sure. All I know is that he won it. I'm super stoked for him and Jake. Uh, Jake's a really good friend of mine. He puts in a lot of work, and that's really awesome to see. <sighs> Let's transition into Snore 250 because I know a lot of our listeners are really stoked on this race because they, they have a lot of lot to do with Snore. First thing I'd like to tackle is I'm just going to kind of – I have the entry list right in front of me, and the we just drew for positions at course marking last weekend for starting positions. In the Unlimited truck, making her desert debut – is Amanda Sorensen. Yeah. This should be very interesting to see. She's a professional drifter. Mm-hmm. She's, second off the line. She's right. second off the line behind Bernard Steinman. Professional drifter. She's got a lot of time in the desert. She's a Lucas Oil short course champion. She's got a lot of miles, a lot of, a lot of car control, a lot of patience. She's splitting driving time with her brother, Brandon, who is the, the youngest professional drifter in formula drift so he, he's, he's, he's got his license and everything he's working on going overseas to do a red bull thing uh it's a 50 50 chance whether he gets in or not hopefully he does i'd like to see they're they're young uh they're passionate uh randy has given them every opportunity to succeed and they took it and and, and they're running with it and it's really cool to see uh fan favorite class one we've got right now we have 12 entries which is Bitchin', super bitchin' to see. We got Patrick Sines who put up bonus money for this class, which is, I mean, that's that's incredible. Mm -hmm. I I love to see stuff like that. And we've had some people say, well, why do you want to give it to the unlimiteds? Why don't you give it to the to the limited classes? Well, for the past five years, I've been around Snore. All the bonus money has gone to the limited classes to build those. Now we have them built up. We've we've got a base, and now it's time to move into something else. Class one is kind of dying off and and that's another controversial thing that we'll talk about on another episode on where's the future of class one racing but it's stuff like this that patrick signs teaming up with snore to to put a bonus together that's what brings more cars back and and that's what you know essentially grows a class from from its dying state to getting back into it and the economy's up and there's cars sitting around we just got to get people to get out and want to race so just going to a race if your car's sitting there for five years you haven't raced in a while it's got to be dusted off put gas in it oil check the oil you want to have some sort of incentive to show up so this is a very good incentive now this draw order is very very interesting first off the line is max bender he's got a playtech car he's got the lt1 vet motor in there mm-hmm. had a lot of issues last year i almost i like i would vote for him to get tough luck of 2019 because almost every race he had a problem the races that he didn't he he drove solid and consistent i had he had a couple podium finishes i believe second off the line justin davis i i've i've said it i'll say it again he's a hell of a driver so that's going to be one to watch. I believe that we're going to have Facebook Live videos. Snore will have Facebook Live videos the best that we can. We'll be getting results out as soon as we can to keep you guys updated on this. But one to watch is Justin Davis because he just, he's patient. He's smart. 
Yeah, look for him to take the early physical lead. Oh, yeah. I'm assuming. Absolutely. He's got um, one, two, three, four, five, six. As of right now, he's got six cars to get through to get into open open air, clean air. So it's going to take a little patience because I know that car and he, and he is faster than some people in front of him, especially in the, the back of the unlimited trucks. But we'll see how he goes. We've got Adam Householder, who is – a very good driver, super consistent. Pat McCarthy, Jim Tucker, Levi Rockhill, and this guy, John Walker, drew the seventh place. I have one thing to say. I'm not going to say a whole lot about John Walker. Is, is that the John Walker? Yes. Pay attention to this guy because <laughs> if you're sitting in the pits and you're trying to keep times on your driver in class one and you're not taking times on John Walker, you should be no, because that- he just sits back. And he just picks him off, and he's beaten CJ a couple times that, that way. way. Yeah, he's exactly. beaten a lot of fast guys in Class One by just being consistent, not making mistakes, pushing it where he needs to push it, but but keeping that you know, mellow tone so he can get to the finish line. And all of a sudden, you know, because he's starting seventh, you know, corrected time is going to be a very very big yeah. gain for him because yeah. he's not out front like Max and Justin. He can be back, and he's taking times on you. So he's like, oh, well, I know I need to pick up 30 seconds. I can go get 30 seconds. And he's far enough back to where guys like Justin Davis, like his pits, might not catch where John's at. Because they they're worried be, about – Yeah, they will not be worried and about somebody that got, far back. they've got two cars racing this, this weekend. So that's another aspect. The start behind John Walker is Dan Myers, generally class one. Everybody knows it. Good guy. Pretty fast. Hopefully, Hopefully he, he does the well. Horn. Yeah. All the way down in 11th is the returning champ, Joe David, in the 100. Really excited to see how he starts this race off. He's not a, he's not a spectacular, fast guy. He's nope. just smooth. He gets the job done. Similar I know he's not as Walker. comfortable here as he is in Ridgecrest or Parker. He's very comfortable in Parker. He's got a million miles there, and Ridgecrest is his backyard. But I know he's going to have a good, solid run as long as nothing happens. Bad luck in the draw, James Dean in 12th. Um, he's going to have to be patient. He, he's going to have to just pick him off one at a time. He doesn't have any pressure behind him because the 10s aren't, you know, the 10s can't run with a one. It's simple. Right. But He's just going to have to pick them off one by one and just start and just always keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. If he just keeps moving forward, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with late in the race. Lap four, as long as he's still running strong and consistent, there's no doubt he's going to be on the podium, if not win it. So that's going to be a very, very exciting class to watch. Class 10, we don't have a whole lot of uh, big names that people would recognize. Uh, in the fourth spot, we have Jerry Leclerc from Edeche, Manitoba, guy. All the way up there. Talked to him. He went to course marking this weekend to help us out, which we really appreciate. That's awesome. He comes all the way from Manitoba, Canada. He used to be a snowmobile racer, so me and him get along very well. We've, we've had a lot of talks. He's match accents and just have a good old time. Oh yeah, we sit there and just burn them out, bud, and uh, we have a great time. Talk about a lot of racing and stuff, and uh, yeah, he used to race endurance uh, on snowmobiles, which me and my dad both did when when I was younger. So it's really cool to see him. He comes down here. Uh, he's eventually gonna. He lives here in Henderson, which is kind of cool. So he's got. He's gonna run. This is his old car that he's had for a while. He's got a brand new car that brand new 10 car being built by LumaCraft. It's almost done. Mm-hmm. He should have that for the mint. And then he's also going to have a new four-wheel drive built by LumaCraft. Four-wheel drive, 40-inch tires, Albans. It should be pretty interesting. One so, car or 10? Or... Class one. Yep. Okay. Yep. So Jerry's going to have the new LumaCraft class one car. We'll see how that goes. I'm really excited to see it. In sixth place, we have Vince Viola. He's had a lot of a lot of bad luck as of recently. Um, couldn't make a lot of races. Had a kid last year, so congratulations on him and his wife. <clears throat> Hopefully, they put a good run together. A good buddy of mine, Derek Bradley, is going to be in the right seat with him for the first two laps. And then we've got Taylor Grabow uh, in Fred Hatch's old car. <clears throat> she goes good. She had a good run last year. Very consistent. Very smart driver. 
In the 10th spot, we have Jeremy Davis, Justin's brother. He's going to be one to watch. He basically set the world on fire at our Ridgecrest race and overcame some issues throughout the race, turned it up on the last lap, passed the guy to win the race. It was really cool to watch. He's growing into a hell of a driver as long as he keeps his head on straight and he focuses and he stays calm and and patient because he's he's in a tenth spot off the line so he's gonna have to he's gonna have to find some serious patience but um, if he just stays clean and has a good day good pit stops um, no no dumb mistakes or anything like that he's e easily gonna be on the podium if not win the thing so um, that's gonna be really cool to see uh, next we have James Ford our class rep in snore for class 10 this this guy has has definitely wowed me sometimes it, every once in a while he just sets a fast lap and I'm like where does he pull that from it's just it's crazy uh, really great team always helping snore out volunteering stuff like that so it's cool to see him hopefully he has a good run and and hopefully we see him at the top of the box or in the, on a podium position I'm not naming everybody off that's on the list because you guys will get bored. So next, I'm going to move to 6100. Uh, we actually have Mango Racing showing up. Really cool. Chelsea Magnus is showing up in her 6100 truck. And Jason Coleman, who's a friend of ours, uh, is actually showing up in his 6100 as well. Um, I don't know if it's a shakedown to do testing for the Mexico races yeah. well he just uh, put the the big motor program yep and he just switched tires, that thing so. over to the 525 and the underdrive and 40 inch tires so it'll be cool to see those trucks in the I, I think this is this should be the first time in snore that a 525 on 40s will be competing at the snore 250 in, in this desert yeah. on this mm -hmm. course so um i know it's completely different from what they run at the mint mint super gnarly a little bit different course here and there some of it's the same It'll be really cool to see. It'd be interesting to see how they play into the overall as well. Again, with uh, not paying attention on corrected time, they might be able to sneak in and, and take it from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Those class ones better, better, you know, think about. If they're going for the overall, Snort 250 overall, which I believe has a $2,500 bonus on top of it. Yep. So if you do it in class one, you get $1,500 bonus for class one, $2,500 for overall, and your original payback. That's <laughs> You could which, be walking out of there with a good, good-sized check. Yeah, especially because it's 10, 10 or more cars, Snore does a, a, an additional yeah, bonus additional for every bonus, class yeah. that gets 10 or more cars. So that's, dude, that's going to be awesome. There's some big money coming out. Yeah, class 12, second off the line, Vic Bruckman, very consistent driver. He can be wicked fast. So I'm excited to see where he's at on overall time. Mm -hmm. That should be really awesome to see. Uh, the next one I really want to talk about is Rick Madison because he is he's always there. He's a Torco Fuels salesman, uh, distributor, and yep. rep. Rick Madison is the one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet in your life. He's just super rad, super down to earth, always positive, always has a smile on his face. What can I do to help? Great guy. He ha I, I, I don't remember the last time he's won a Class 12 race, especially because last year – the Chad Cummings just destroyed everybody. There's no chance of catching that guy. But uh, hopefully he has some really good luck this year. Hopefully he takes home the championship because he works his ass off. And he preps everything himself. He also has a five car that he preps himself too. So one-man job, that's not an easy gig. 1600 class. This one's – it's always exciting to talk about 1600. What's not exciting is we only have 10 cars on the list. So – I don't know if it's a low compression, high compression situation we've got going on where people don't know. What I think it is is I think that there's other races that are more appealing to these guys. Uh, the Moore is having a 1600 shootout with big payback. So yeah. a, a lot of the guys that we, we potentially draw from the high desert area are going to be just saving their stuff, saving their money so they can go for the big money at the Moore race. And hopefully we'll see them at Battle at Prim shortly after that race if their car stays together. But... The notable ones in this class are Jake Gone. He's stepping up from the sportsman class last year. Uh, he's got Collins backed behind him. Really smart dudes. Great program. He's got a, a new uh, Wix low compression motor in that thing. To He's now a 1600 motor with the research plate and all that. So it will be exciting to see where his uh, driving has got him. Yeah, no, he has. He had one of the cleanest 13 cars I think I've ever seen. Dude, so. that thing's bitching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
it, starting in the fourth spot, Alec Rodriguez. A lot of people don't know Alec Rodriguez, but they all they know who's going to drive a couple laps for him, Fernie Padilla. <laughs> they should be worried about that, I would assume. Should be a little nervous about yeah. Fernie because he's pretty fast. He knows this desert probably better than anyone who's signed up, except for maybe Mike Montez. He probably knows this desert better than anybody else, so that should be interesting to see. I don't know if. I, I don't know if he's going to do the first two or the second two. I just briefly spoke to him last weekend. We've got Jordan Dean. Had a lot of bad luck last year. Uh, I, I think it was a lot of uh, uh, mechanical failures and stuff. I think he had an engine go. Uh, yeah. Hopefully he turned that he gets that luck turned around. I think last year he uh, at the Snore 250 he blew three tires at the same time. Oh. That's, I mean, so I mean, to bad luck. That's the worst max. luck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, he turns that around. Uh, that whole uh, LVDC crew works their ass off. Uh, it's him and his brother and Matt Brady work really hard. They do a lot of stuff on their own. So, um, hopefully, they turn it around. And hopefully, they they start collecting some 1600 wins because he's definitely putting the time and the miles in to get it. The next notable is Abraham Gutierrez is showing up, and this dude is fat. He has no, no he, he has no personal regard for his own safety. Zero percent. He is just wide open all the time. He, he won Rage at the River, crossing the finish line on Sunday with the arm bro- the arm, bottom arm broken, flipped backwards. Yes, the the lower. Uh, Control arm, if you want to call it that, on the beam broke completely off and flipped around. So the the front of the car was dragging on the ground, and he crossed the finish line and still won on time. Who knows what would happen if Bud Ward didn't have uh, the corner rip off the car? But Abraham powered through it, got the job done, and he's going to be fast. We'll see if he can. We'll see if he can slow down a little bit and have a little patience for this race because four laps. Uh, 70 ish miles. You got to be patient. And this, this desert is gnarly. It's, it's super rough. So he's going to have to, you know, keep his head on his shoulders and, and, and just put a good clean race together. And he should be up towards the top. Uh, the next one's Mike Montez, fast, consistent, single seat guy, does it on his own. His wife helps him out. Just a, a really, really good dude, and it's a lot of time and effort into making sure everything oh, on his car. Dude, that is car is perfect. That car is mint. Every time it shows up, it's the least amount of rolling resistance possible. I mean, this dude just puts in so much extra time. Um, <clears throat> then we have fourteen fifty sportsman. Uh, I mentioned Derek Bradley earlier is going to be. He's doing double duty, so he's riding with Vince Viola in his tank car in the first two laps. Then he's driving the second two laps in his dad's eight truck. So second, uh, third lap. Um, I don't think they do three laps. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So he's gonna do the last lap. I told him let Tommy keep driving because Tommy Bradley's drive. Everybody knows Tommy Bradley, multi-time champion, million miles in the desert. Him and his dad were a force to be reckoned with back in the eighties and nineties. I told Derek, I was like, just let Tommy keep going. I mean, he if he's good, he's good. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, Derek's going to get in. It sounds like Derek's going to get in there, and his sister Bree's going to ride with him. So big family deal going on there. Awesome to see. Next, we have Austin W., right? I can't pronounce his last There's you know, no way know, I'm pronouncing on, his last name. Let's give it a name. shot here. Wolowinski? Wesolowski? No, I don't. Even, I didn't even have the right letters in his name. Did I? Wesolowski. There's no. Way, okay, <laughs> so there's no way I'm pronouncing his last name, but he's got a fresh motor put together. He's got fresh shock package on there. I believe Robert Campbell helps him tune the truck, and and that thing should be dialed. He had some bad luck as of recent. Rage. He had some issues, and and I don't think he finished, but. Hopefully he gets uh, he he he's got that truck dialed in. A lot of testing done to so hopefully he comes out with a fire lit under his ass and puts together a good run. Uh, next up, side by side pro naturally aspirated, a really good friend of mine, starting second off the line, Cody Mitchell, bought the car from Dominic Dominic Gaglione. Another these guys, you, you guys can are say your his last, last name. name, but you can't say Austin's. <laughs> Holy cow! These guys and their last names like just make it easier, right? Just like. Like, do something easy for me change, to say. You want them to change it for you to <laughs> say it on in that, person? Or... That'd be awesome if they did. <laughs> but Cody Mitchell, new car, did a lot of testing, a lot of updates, got that thing dialed in, and hopefully he just cruises. I, I mean, I'm hoping the best of luck to him. He, he 
he works very hard. He's one of the hardest working humans I've ever come in contact yep. with. So hopefully he does good. And you are going to be in this next race car, the 1910 of Steve Nautily. RJ, you're going to be riding shotgun in that thing. Yep. Uh, I'm not actually riding with Steve. I'm riding with uh, somebody else. We're doing the first two laps. Shows you about how much I know about the team. I don't <laughs> know the guy's name that I'm riding with. Uh, you're a brave man. You're yep. a brave man. Meet them on Friday. See the car on Friday for the first time. Strap in on Saturday morning for the race. Perfect. You know, so. Perfect. Much rather do that than ride a fucking roller coaster. <laughs> hey man, leave your purse at home and you'll be just fine. You know that desert pretty well. Yeah. Um, the last one, the last notable one that I want to touch on before we move on to something else. Unlimited Sportsman. We've got 1595 of Colton Goobler uh, entered back in the desert. He just spent some time doing some moto stuff, doing some circle track stuff. He lost to his mom in the sprint car, wingless sprint car championships. Really? So yeah. T- uh, his mother beat him in the championship. It was really cool to see him battle all season. I'm glad to see him back in the desert. Super nice guy. Every time I see him, he's got a great big smile on his face, shakes your hand, asks you if you need anything. So it's good to see him back, and uh, hopefully he runs with us all season. I'm excited to see what he's driving. Yeah, I heard I don't really Herbie know. had a new car that's a question mark car. Yeah, we'll see what it is. Maybe he entered Unlimited. Maybe it's a one car. Maybe he's just getting some seat time in Unlimited Sportsman, and maybe it's a one car. So right. that should be pretty cool to see. I'm excited to see uh, how that plays out. Um, like I said, we've got tech and contingency for the Sonora 250 on Friday, and then the race starts Saturday morning. Four laps for all the pro classes, except for uh, class 11, which is going to be about 70 miles a lap. And then uh, all the rest of the classes will do three laps, uh, all the sportsmen's and stuff like that. So it'll be cool. We'll we'll definitely 100% have a recap early next week about what happened and hopefully – the stuff that we said was true, right? I mean, that's the <laughs> that's the goal is we right. we want to we want to know what the hell we're talking about, right? So that should be cool. And then directly after that, I get on a plane and I head to Wisconsin. I'm gonna go race a snowmobile. So uh, last year I ran this race. My dad built me a sled. First time on a snowmobile since I had back problems uh, six years ago now. So last year was my first time back on a sled. Got fourth place out of like 30 or 40 guys. So I was pretty stoked on it. It's cool to be back on a snowmobile. It's cool to go back and see the family. The cold absolutely sucks. I am not going to lie to you. That's terrible. When you live out here in Vegas for makes you a little what, bit of three a years now, dude, you just you just can't take it. You can't handle the cold. So I'm going to have to wear a couple coats, maybe a parka, some <laughs> long johns, you know. But it'll be cool Go to see, uh, get to see all my family, my friends. I haven't seen them in a long time. Should be fun. I'm ready to get back on a snowmobile and go compete. So with that being said, that's all we have for Snore. Our next thing that we're going to touch is uh, Supercross. So we just had the San Diego Supercross, and there's quite a bit to talk about, I think. So obviously the notables, we've got Cooper Webb winning his first race of the year off of his champ, his 450 title. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a dominating performance. Nope. He had to battle with Cincerillo um to, to actually get the lead. It wasn't just an easy rollover pass for him to just pass him. Yeah, it'll work pretty off. hard for it. So I mean it's nice to see Cincy getting out there, good starts, holding on to the lead for a little bit and still battling for it. Yeah. And not just rolling over and let somebody pass for him. Right. Yeah. Uh one thing that I want, and I, I have zero notes on this, so I'm winging this thing off of memory from mm-hmm. Saturday, but Tomac and – so, okay, so let me back up a little bit. Roxon, I thought, was going to take the show. He won the heat race, um, won by like nine seconds, just checked out. And I was thinking, well, okay, like here we go, like like – Roxon's in 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 back to final form like we want to see and and I'm really pulling for him and, and I'm not <clears throat> I don't have one specific guy that I cheer for except for Adam Antignap the seven deuce deuce baby um, I cheer for him every week 
He's a friend of mine. He doesn't seem to make the show. Uh, he's coming off an injury as well, but he doesn't have factory support, so he's doing all, he's doing it all on his own, and it's really tough. But if I am going to pull for a guy, Ken Roxon's my guy. He just he is probably one of the most solid, well-rounded dirt bike riders we've seen in a long time. Talking motocross and supercross. And he had those big, big injuries that took him out and slowed him down. And I just want to see him come back. I want to see him get a title so bad. But he came out and he just, he essentially whooped everybody's ass in the heat race. And then we saw, he, he kind of got a bad start <coughs> in the, in the, in the main. Yeah. Yeah. Him and Tomac both had bad starts. They got him stuck. I think it was like they were coming out in 10th or 11th place off, off the drop. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they got stuck with Barsha as they came through the right. pack. Right. Barsha is not one of those people that just lets you pass. Everybody knows Bam Bam is the, one of the hardest guys to get around. Yeah. He's got so much bike control and he's got so much awareness. He, he, you like, he turns around more than anybody else, but not in the not to like break. It doesn't break his, uh, his. God damn it! I He's can't. the best at turning around and looking at you when you're behind him. Well, exactly. It, it doesn't break his, his focus, and it doesn't change his pace. He knows, like, okay, I, I, I don't know if I have it to run away from you right now, like jackrabbit you almost, but. I, I'm going to make it tough for you to get around. You better be blazing fast to get around me because right. I'm going to use up as much as I can, open all the open all the lines up, make it flowy, make it fast, and he just he's just got a consistent pace. He's just he's Mr. Consistency in my mind. Like he's what consistently in the top 5 this season, which is really cool to see. I love Bam Bam. And let's talk about the head of lettuce on that guy. <laughs> Holy smokes. He's got the best hair. In Supercross right now, it comes. Well, I don't say that. <laughs> Roxton had that. I know you're colorblind, but it was bright red. It matched. He looks his like Honda. a lollipop. Yeah, a German lollipop, dude. But uh, yeah, Bam Bam's good. They did so. Yeah, Tomac and Roxton. Uh, Roxton was chasing Tomac, and they just caught Bam Bam. And I, I think I, I on it. I don't think they would have caught the leaders, anyways. No, uh, Tomac was able to get by Barsha, so he finished in fourth yeah. for the night. But he wasn't really closing in on the leaders. He kind of just kept kept his uh, pace and you know, yeah, didn't lose anything, didn't gain anything. But I mean, did I know every once in a while you have an off night? But what did Roxon finish fifth or? S I don't even know. I think he was honestly. fifth or sixth. He was I right think there. So. Uh, I think actually think Barsha finished fifth. Okay, so. okay, so he would have. So Roxon was sixth. Um, did he, did he just have an off night? Was it was yeah, he just not came. feeling it in the main because he was feeling it in the heat race. You know, usually, if you have an off night, you you make it into the, you make it you're in the top nine in the heat. You know, like Roxon. if he has an off night, he's in the top nine in the heat. Mm -hmm. You know, second, third, fifth, or first with a small gap, and then you go into the main and you're just kind of met like he was just met. But he came out hot. So was his conditioning not good this week, or did he just just have? A main, like he just had, he had a moment. A, I think he had a bad main. Um, if he gets a bad start, is that is that something to look? I think with that that track was pretty technical. The the both rhythm sections were really hard to hit consistently. It yeah. looked like they were jumping um, it at the end. They're like oh, yeah. like nobody could get any rhythm. They were like everybody was jumping. Yep. I'm like, that's got to be miserable because it changes every lap because there's so many bikes that go through there and it rips the lips off and you're like. Nothing's consistent on how your bike takes it. So exactly, I don't know, man. I think he just yeah, he just had a bad start, got stuck in traffic, and then wasn't able to, to cope with the track changes. But you know, yeah. Hopefully, he brings two downs next week and and either takes the points lead back or or he still has it, so he'll just extend it a little bit more. Yeah. Another one I want to talk about is Chad Reed. Uh, this obviously everybody who follows Supercross knows that this is Chad Reed's uh, essentially farewell tour. Uh, he's going to retire after this season. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's sad to see. You know, you love Chad Reed. He's been around forever. Everybody loves him and his beautiful Australian accent. <clears throat> he's got wonderful kids and a wife that he's just ready to ready to go back to. I think, what is he, 33 or something like that? He's in his 30s now. I think now. 35 is a pretty good guess. Yeah, so he's got – he put his time in – 
we had this talk during the race. I can't, it's super, like, riding dirt bikes is so weird to me because in any other professional sport, football, hockey, blah, 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 when you hit that 30 mark, depending on what position you play, mm-hmm. when you hit that 30, 35 mark, you get to this place where you're just not competitive. And we've seen people like, even like Luke Keekley from the Carolina Panthers, like he retired early right and everybody who's watching him says dude you're fast enough you're good enough you can compete like you can still you you're still good and in his mind he's thinking i just don't have it anymore and he's like 29 years old or something which is insane to me right so in all other forms of professional sports you get to an age where not the luke keekley talk but you get to 30 35 40 years old and you just don't have it anymore you're like you're not going to even come close to competing right but in in riding dirt bikes chad reed is 35 years old let's say if he is or not he's 35 years old and he's still making mains now he's not winning he's not getting on the podium but making them is still a big deal making a main is huge like being in the top 100 is huge that's a huge deal Mm -hmm. and making the main is a huge deal you're the you're one of the fastest 22 guys in the in the world right so and we don't count all that gp crap overseas because they're they're just they're different human beings and they, well, it's a, well, i mean Christ. those are fast guys but it's like they're they're fast guys that go over basically sidewalk curbs right well you know, for 30 when, minutes when we go hours. to australian supercross the the usually americans can win it you know right. what I mean? As long as they don't go down or anything, mm-hmm. Americans can go win it. So maybe it's a Supercross thing where we're better at it because we've we've built it ourselves and we race it. So, but it's just crazy to see that that he's thirty some years old and he can still make the mains and compete, which is crazy to me. But um, he had some tough luck. I don't know if it was a bike or if he was just feeling it. He ended up pulling off in the main and didn't finish. But it was. It wasn't all that exciting of a race to me, uh, and maybe maybe we're getting too used to the drama of Supercross lately. But I, it, I was glad to see that the 450 main didn't get out of hand and somebody won by 12 seconds. Right. But still, it was like I'm not a big Cooper fan, so I'm like, meh, like whatever. I guess I'm not a big Cincy fan. I, I, Do you even know who finished in third place? No. Yeah. So I mean, and, it was Blake Baggett, by the way. Well, good for him. I mean, that's a good ride for him. He's not usually a, a podium guy, so uh, it's good to see. But, like, I mean, you just made a point. Like, it wasn't exciting, and it wasn't the people that I closely follow, so I didn't even really pay attention, you know, and that's my fault. I should have, but I don't know. It just kind of seemed kind of blah. Yeah, well, at least for the 450s, I think the 250s were a little bit more exciting because mm-hmm. – because we do still have the drama with Ferrandis being on the 12-month the suspension. Um, and and he seems to have to – he thinks he has to explain every single thing he does yeah. on the track when he gets in a podium speech. So that's kind of funny to me that he gets up there and instead of thanking his sponsors, he, he goes into a real quick race breakdown. Right. Um, and then – but he's still, he's still racing. Everybody's still racing very hard <clears throat> in 250s. Yeah, he's getting booed still. Yeah, still. Which... That's awesome. I don't agree with. I mean, it's just it's funny. over and done with. The, the race series set their penalty, which I highly disagree with how they did it. I, I, a 12-month probation period is... You would want something more severe? I Just give them a penalty, take points away, or sit them down, whatever the case may be. But in that, in that instance, between him and Cooper, do it. Just get it done and, and be done with it. But now, like, you're putting this guy in kind of a shitty spot where you're right. He has to go up there and explain essentially everything that he's doing because he he's kind of worried. I mean, he, he can be a pompous asshole. Well, yeah, he was he was worried about the pass he put on Forkner, which a lot of people – I mean, everybody's going to think he did a dirty pass because nah, he, he stood pimped. him up. He left well, yeah, he stood him up. Uh, he didn't knock him down. He didn't really even hit him. It, it was a pretty clean pass. Mm-hmm. So, but the fact that he thinks he has to go up on on stage after the race and be like, "I thought it was a clean pass. I didn't hit him," and explain everything else is is unfortunate. Yeah, but. 
it is. He he kind of he made the mistake initially, and now he has to deal with it. Yep. Uh, it's the way racing goes, right? You gotta you gotta pay the price for something you did, and depending on what the race series chooses to do, that's what you gotta deal with. Whether it's right or wrong in your opinion, you just gotta you just gotta move on. Is there anything else you want to touch on with Supercross before we move on? I I don't have a whole lot that I want to talk about. If you want to go, if you want to run on it, I'll let you no. run. No, not really. I know you don't like it because you can't really see uh, camouflage, but it was Military Appreciation Week at San Diego, and that means there was a lot of camouflage uh, kits on the bikes and on the riders. That's always cool to see, to see something different than just the standard bright colors and whatever. Absolutely. So, I, I love when anybody does any sort of military appreciation. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, That's a huge sacrifice that they do protecting our country. And the, the little bit that we can do to, to right. show them any – we can't give back to them. It's hard. You, guys like us, like we can't – what are we going to do? We can, we can thank a vet every time we see him. Mm-hmm. Uh, or someone who's active, right. and, and we can treat them with the utmost respect because they earned it, they deserve it, yep. and that's about all we can do when, when uh, you know, football and all the, all the other professional sports do military appreciation, like, almost every week, right? They have their brigades go out there and, and fly the flags, flags and, and all that yep. stuff. So the little bit that Supercross can do because it's a different atmosphere, you can't, you can't do the same stuff in, in – NFL or NHL as you can in motocross because you you know everything comes down to how many eyeballs are on it right if we want to keep racing right we can't we can't do something that's going to lose the crowd so doing the the opening ceremonies of a football game at a motocross or a supercross event it wouldn't fly very well. Either people would get bored or it's a change of pace that they don't like. Well, there's that and there's just not enough space or not enough space, but just not. They have a track in the middle. Yeah, it's not the atmosphere. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I'm glad to see that they did that. And then uh, on just real quick, is child, Kyle Chisholm's helmet, Space Force Library. No way. Yep. I missed it. Yeah. So I don't know. Is Is that a legitimate branch of the military now or something. I, I saw the digs. I saw the camo digs on the internet. So, okay. well, then worry. Kyle Chisholm appreciates you. <laughs> Cause you know, Oh, what are we protecting the States from the, the Russians going up and going Ma- out in his face? Mars attack. Mars attack. <laughs> uh, I said, uh, the littest kit of the weekend was was K Rock, Ke- Kenny Roxon's. Mm-hmm. His jersey was sick. I'm not a Fox guy. No, nope. um, I'm a Troy Lee guy, and uh, I loved it. It was sick. It had the the retro Fox logo on it, the bright colors, '90s motocross. Bring like I love when people bring that back. A lot of nostalgia. Really cool, um, and it, it pops. You know, it grabs your eye, and you're like, man, that's that's bitching. So. Really cool. Yeah. It's nice to see. Yeah. On to Arca. I guess. We'll touch on Arca real quick. The only one I want to talk about is Deegan. That's the only thing that I wanted to touch on. Careful how you say that. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Haley Deegan, she took second, right? Yep. Second place at Daytona. First time racing at Daytona. Good for her. She had to move through the field a little bit. She qualified seventh. She spun out a guy on the straightaway. Eh, thing, thing, <laughs> no, thing, I think things I, happen. I think what happened is that because there's a couple other cars, and and the way that the, those bodies are designed to work with each other, right? Drafting, side drafting, rear front, all that stuff. So because they're taking so much technology from the Cup Series and the I. I mess up the names every time, but to me, the, it's the a CrossFit Truck Series, the Bush Series, which I think it's the Nationwide now or something. I don't even think it's still the Nationwide Jesus, series. I'm way behind. And then the Winston Cup Series, <laughs> Nextel. Nextel. I remember Nextel. But um, so those car, those those bodies are meant to work with each other, and, and sometimes you get these air pockets in the draft. I learned a lot about this when I was in my aerodynamics portion of college. 
is you get these air pockets. So if a car, if, if you have one car moving in to a line to get into a draft of another car and you're coming in already drafting on a car, there's this, this negative, uh, negative air, right? Essentially is what we call it. Negative air in the center of that draft pocket. And what can happen if that air starts to tumble in a weird way that's not compatible with the front bumpers and the fenders and the side of the door, if that starts to tumble, it, it takes the aerodynamic pressure, the poundage downforce pressure off the back or the side of the car. So you're doing 150 some miles an hour down the straightaway. Mm -hmm. And now this air is wanting to lift the car off the ground. Other than, you know what I mean? Other than how it already it is underneath yeah. the car and stuff like that. So you get this weird pocket. And what I think happened is when, when Haley came in on the draft, she didn't have room to go up to the wall. What I think is she came in and it took the air off the guy in front of her with that weird zero negative air space. And it just took him out. And it looked, it, from a quick camera angle, it looked like she just came in and gave him a bump and he left. But I don't think she actually touched him. I think she no, took I don't, the air I don't think she... It was something actually she said about that in the interview, or not that specifically, but she doesn't want to make enemies this year. Um, she's trying to keep it clean. She doesn't. She doesn't want to. She has to race with these guys week in, week out. Yep. So she she wants to be on everybody's good side. Mm -hmm. And if you know, wrecking somebody in the middle of the race isn't exactly that. Mm -hmm. So I don't think she did it on intentionally, like you were saying. Yeah. So weird to see um, her switch from Toyota to Ford just randomly. So uh, there, well, there's not really some that, other stories behind that. Not that I don't know. Weird. Uh, I think it was Ford was probably offering her a better program. They got her in the IMSA yep. car. So it's more racing for her. Right. So it's, it's a better, I think probably more of a future okay. uh, than just the Arca series in, with Ford. For sure. And what else, you got other stuff? Uh, well, you know, um, the winner was Michael self second win at Daytona eighth win for the career. Um, I don't have a no whole bunch of knowledge, so this is just stuff I pulled off the website and everything. Um, and that's really about it. Okay. Well, that's fine. We can uh, uh, we can wrap this episode up. We'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you're still listening, the next racing episode, we're going to do a Snore 250 recap. Uh, that'll be after the Daytona 500. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Supercross again because we're racing Supercross on Saturday. Um, and then we'll also, we have, we have to talk about the Rockstar thing, the Rockstar and off-road. Well, you want to touch on that real quick nope, right now? No, because we're already too late, and I think people are already getting ready to shut this off. So, um, we're about an hour in right now, a little bit over an hour. Hour five? Hour five. So, we'll, because we're, we're going to go on quite a rant on that, that Rockstar well, thing, and hopefully by the time we record that episode, we'll have a little bit more solid information and facts behind it. We'll see if somebody has a statement that comes out from the, the off-road drivers because I'd like to hear Tanner Faust, Rob Mack, Jordan Pellegrino, all these guys that are primary off-road uh, dirt rock star guys. So they didn't back out of Supercross, but they backed, they pulled out of other off-road forms of racing. We're going to talk on that on the next racing episode. The next Sports Vision episode is going to come out Thursday evening or Friday morning. It's going to be sports. We're going to be talking about hockey, NFL, and uh, MLB, we've got some stuff to talk about. There's a lot of traits, big stuff happening. So we'd like to thank everybody for listening. And tune in next time. Hit our Facebook, hit our Instagrams, and let us know how you, th how you thought this episode went. Thanks, guys.